I titled my scripture, or my sermon rather, He Can Do Something New. My friends, God can do something new. He is a God of new beginnings, new things. The Lord can do new things, and He can make something new. He can make us anew when we surrender our hearts to Him. He can make us new beings, new creatures in Him. My scripture is going to come from Isaiah when I get to it, but I have some other things. You know, as we begin the new year, some might look back on the past year and be glad it's behind them. Truly be glad it's behind them. Because it may have been a trying year with many difficulties, many trials. You may have experienced some sort of illness, a loss of a loved one. You may experience a financial burden. You may look forward to a fresh start. We turn that calendar over, it's like, yes, a new year. We have hopes that this year will be a better year if, if last year was a bad year. For myself, I'm trying to figure out where the last year's went. It has gone so quickly. But whether it was good or bad, I think we all hope for a good year, don't we? I think we hope for good health for ourselves and our families. I think we hope for peace in our families, in our nation, in our communities. I think we hope for peace. I think we hope to experience love. I think and I hope that we hope for a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that's number one on our list. A deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news spiritually is that we serve a God of new beginnings. We indeed serve a God of second chances. You know, even if we messed up last year, Maybe we sin greatly. I don't know. If we messed up, here's my advice. Forget about the past. Repent and look to God for strength and hope for a new year. A new day, right? And if our hope and our strength is in Him, we can overcome anything that will come against us when we rely on Him. Lamentations 3, 22-24 says, Through the Lord's mercies... We are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Amen. I got an amen out of that. They are new. God's mercies, friends, are new every morning. Not just once in a while. When you woke up this morning, think about that. God's mercies were new. It says, Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Friends, where do you put your hope? In Him. Amen. I'm amen in you. Amen. We put our hope in Him every morning. You know, we may have stumbled yesterday. Today's a new day. He is the one we go to. He is the one in which we find our hope. The one in whom we can find true forgiveness. You know, when it comes to new beginnings, the most radical change, the most radical new beginning is when we become a new creation in Jesus Christ. He can remove that old hard heart of stone and make it new, make it loving, make it kind and compassionate. That is the most radical thing, that we can be a new creation in Jesus Christ. The most radical new beginning ever known. And each of us, has experienced that. 
when Christ came to earth as a man, His goal was to change, make new the hearts, the minds, the lives of every single human being to walk upon the earth then and now. He came to seek and save that which was lost. With His great sacrifice on the cross, with His victory over death, we can have new life in this life and in the life to come. It's not just for that which is to come, but it's even in this life. We are new in Him. We don't have to wait for that change. We can have it today. We can have it every morning. Because every morning, His mercies are new, are they not? Today, we're going to take in two new members in the church. That brings joy to my heart. I hope it brings joy to yours that these girls have decided to become a member. I think they are of the age they understand. And I won't get, I'll get to that in a little bit. But let's go ahead and pray. Then I'll get into my, the other scripture. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Father, we just thank you for your forgiveness. Father, that you're willing to even forgive us in our sinful nature. You're, you're willing to say, I forgive you. Come to me. Repent of your sins and come to me, Father. That's... Uh, such an amazing thing. And we just thank you for it. We humbly thank you for it. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that when we believe on you, comes and dwells within us and guides us in all that we do. And Father, we just surrender this service to you. Father, may you be glorified. May your will be done. May your truth and your word be spoken for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. So my scripture today comes from Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 19. This is, I did say the New Living Translation, right? I did, okay. I love the, the, the reading of the New Living Translation in this passage. Hear the word of the Lord. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You know, let that sink in for a moment. God didn't say through the prophet, you will not go through waters of difficulty. He did not say you would not experience the fires of oppression. But what did He say? When you go through them, I will be with you. Whatever we go through, God will be with us. He will be by our side. My friends, there are times that He may even be carrying us. But God will be with you as you go through the things that we go through and experience in life. He says, For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in, in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. God says to them, you are honored and I love you. 
Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and west. I will say to the north and south, Bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God. Do you claim him as your God? He said to them, Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together. Assemble the people of the world. Which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? You know, the kids and I were talking in Sabbath school about we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? But we know who holds tomorrow. He knows what tomorrow will bring. He knows what will happen tomorrow. Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me. Understand that I alone am God. Hallelujah. There is no other God. There never has been and there never will be. That ought to get an amen. There never has been and there never will be. There is one true God. I, yes, I am the Lord and there is no other Savior. First I predicted your rescue then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch you out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Hallelujah. No one can undo what God has done. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel... For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon. My friends, from our lesson in Daniel, what does Babylon represent? Evil, darkness. I will send an army against the evil. I will send an army against the darkness, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships that they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a path through dry sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses and drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. <laughs> Think about that. He drowned the armies of Egypt and all those things. He said, forget about that. That's nothing compared with what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. You know, Israel at this time, at the time that the prophet Isaiah spoke this, they were still in captivity in Babylon. So here the God is speaking through Isaiah words of hope. Words of being returned to their homeland, being returned to Jerusalem. In the chapter that precedes this chapter, the Lord reminded Israel of their failures. He said to them, Who is as blind as my people? Who is as blind as my own people? Think about that. God's saying to Israel, Who is as blind as my own people? Who is as deaf 
as my messengers. He said, you see and recognize what is right, and you refuse to act on it. You hear with ears, but don't really listen. My friends, we have ears, but are we really listening? He said of Israel, you have ears, but you're not really listening. You know, I heard a, a guy say, the, uh, actually I think it was Christmas Eve, he said, speaking of believers and the true believer, you know, you have those that will sit in church and the whole time they're there, they're thinking of what they're going to be doing. They're thinking of going fishing. But then the true believer is that one that is out there fishing, but he's thinking of God the whole time. Listening, thinking of God. He said they were a stiff-necked, hard-headed people. But yet the Lord was patient with them and loved them and told them that He was going to rescue them. That He loved them. That He loved them. You know, even though He's reminding them of their iniquities, He gave them hope for a future. Here in chapter 43. I have ransomed you. Even though you have sinned against Me, God says, I have ransomed you. I show mercy towards you. He chose them as His peculiar people. He set them apart for Himself. He called them by name. He entered into covenant promise with them and asked them not to be slack concerning keeping all of His promises. He entered into covenant promise with Abraham. And God chose to fulfill that promise even though at times they chose to be disobedient, to turn from Him. But God is not slack in fulfilling His promises. When He promised that through you I will bless the world, He told Abraham, you will be a father of a great nation and the whole world will be blessed through you. God is fulfilling that promise even through their stiff-neckedness. Frederick the Great asked Marquise de Argens, can you give me one single irrefutable proof of God? The Marquis replied, Yes, Your Majesty, the Jews. Think about that for a second. The Jews. They are one irrefutable proof of God. They are meticulous keepers of history, records. Just follow their genealogy back if you want proof of God. It is Israel. God's chosen people. The ones He called by name that He chose for Himself. That He made covenant agreement with. Verses 2 and 3 again said, When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for you, for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. He is the Holy One of Israel. If you want proof, get the history books out. God did not forget His people when they were in captivity. Or when they turned their eyes away from Him, He remembered His promise. You know, God does not, did not and does not find the delight in oppression of His people. And believe me when I say, He does not find delight when His believers today 
suffer oppression or persecution. You know, there are times, I believe, when God will allow difficulties to come in our lives. And it may be times where we've turned our back on Him and He might allow a difficulty to come because there may be times we have to get to our bottom before we'll look up. But other times I believe the oppression or the difficulties or the evils come simply because what's the Bible say? That the tares and the wheat will grow together. The tares represent the evil. The wheat represents the righteous. The sheep and the goats will be together. The sheep are the righteous, the goat are the wicked. I believe times, at times, difficulties come, evils come simply because the wheat and the tares are living amongst together, together, amongst one another. And they have free will to do their evil, friends. They have free will. They choose to do evil. So yes, there will be times that we will have difficulties, that the devil comes against us. But we need to stand against him. Psalms 146, 5-10 says, Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes judge justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. So I can say, God says to you, I love you, because the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the stranger. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked He turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Friends, God does not want us to dwell on our past failures or our past oppressions. He wants us to place our hope and our trust in Him today and every day. He has a future secured for those who believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. There are times we need to get our eyes off of this world and on that which is to come. And at times, that's the only way we'll have peace. When we look to that which is to come, that future that He has prepared for us, there may be times where we feel like we are in that dry and weary land, that dry and weary period in our lives. But remember this. Remember who is for you. Remember who is on your side. Romans 8, 31-37 says, But what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him 
who loved us. So whenever the enemy attacks, remind him that you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that is Jesus Christ who died for us. We are more than conquerors. God is for us. He is for us, not against us. He is on our side. He loves you. We have to have hope for the future. I found a story about a little boy who was in the hospital in the burn unit. It says, several years ago, a teacher was assigned to visit children in a large city hospital. She received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular little child. She took the boy's name and the room number and was told by the teacher on the other end of the line, says, we are studying nouns and adverbs in this class. And I'd be very grateful if you could help him with his homework so that he wouldn't fall too far behind. It wasn't until this teacher was right outside the boy's room that she realized that she was in the hospital's burn unit. No one had prepared her for what she would find as she entered that room. How horribly the little boy was burned and what great pain he was in. But she felt that she couldn't just turn around and leave, so she awkwardly stammered on. She told the little boy, I am the hospital's teacher, and your teacher sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs. Well, the next morning when the teacher entered the hospital, one of the nurses from the burn unit asked her, what did you do to that boy? Before she could finish profusely apologizing, the nurse interrupted her. She goes, no, wait, you don't understand. We've been very worried about him, but ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he decided to live. Well, the boy later explained, after he had completely healed and got home from the hospital, that until he saw the teacher, he had completely given up. But he says everything changed when he came to the realization that my teacher wouldn't send somebody to work on nouns and adverbs with a boy that was dying. Wouldn't waste the time. Something that simple gave him hope. Gave him hope. That's all it took was hope. Hope that I'm going to have a future. I'm going to have a future. Verse 4 of our passage in Isaiah said, Others were given in exchange for you. I've traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You have honored You are honored, and I love you. My friends, God has made each and every one of us unique. We are unique individuals. Each one of us is one of a kind. No one will ever walk this earth who is exactly the same as you. You are unique in God's eyes. You are His masterpiece. You are made in His image. You are called to live out God's calling on your lives. You are called to live as sons and daughters of God. You are precious and He loves you. 1 John 3, 1, the first part of verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. 
that we should be called children of God. That's why I can stand here today and say to you, God loves you. Because we can be called children of God. You know, as God gave up Egypt and Ethiopia and Seba to rescue His people Israel, He in His mercy gave up His Son to save you and I. Because He loves you. Romans 8, 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His people had turned their backs on Him, but yet He expressed His love for them. We were sinners, and He expressed His love for us, and that He gave up His only Son. From eternity to eternity, He says, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. Christ has died. Christ has risen to bring salvation. And no one can undo that. The devil might try to convince people that it's not real. That it's not for you. But it is for you. It is for you. Because he loves you. As we begin, as you begin the new year, remember how blessed we are. Remember to trust in Him. Enter into the new year with the assurance that nothing can separate you from the love of God. What better way to begin the new year? To remember each and every day, each and every morning as you awake, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, 37, 39 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is our hope. I found a devotional that was written by a missionary slash writer named Sarah Young. And she, after many years of writing in her prayer journal, Sarah decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever she believed He was saying to her. She knew that her writings are not inspired as the Scriptures are, but journaling helped her grow closer to God. So she wrote this, as she felt that God was speaking to her as He would speak to us. So speaking as she felt Jesus speaking to her, or God speaking to her. And here's what she felt that the Lord was telling her. And I think we can receive this. I am watching over you continually. No matter what you are experiencing or how alone you feel, trust that I am with you, well aware of your circumstances. When you are in the throes of adversity, it is easy to feel abandoned. So it is crucial at set, such times to tell yourself the truth. Nothing can separate you from my loving presence. When this truth has sunk deeply into your mind and heart, you are ready to commune with me. When you find me tenderly present with you as I enter into your suffering, the intimacy you share with me is enhanced by adversity, when you invite me into your experience, 
without bitterness or resentment. To enjoy these intimate moments with me, you must trust me. Refusing to rely on your own understanding. Trusting me involves consciously leaning on me for support. Just as leaning on a massive rock helps you keep, keep standing when you are weary, I am indeed the rock of your refuge. I think that definitely was inspired because I feel that that's what God says to us. Lean on me. Trust in me. He's saying as you go through this year, put your hope in me and I will be with you. And why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. And he demonstrated that love in Jesus is the answer. Amen.